Hey, give it up for Dan Hyatt, and I mean that sincerely. Good morning to you. Good Thursday morning. I'm Dan Rodgers of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way right early every weekday. If you're into football and or baseball, I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Pirates that I hope you'll check out. Heinen is back for another year in Pittsburgh on a pay cut. How this happened after he popped 18 goals this past season, after 15 of those goals were at even strength, ranking third on the team behind Jake Gensel and Sidney Crosby, and after he'd already been a legit bargain last year when Ron Hextall signed him as a free agent for just $1.1 million. This one is $1 million even. How? Why? Well, our Danny Shirey reported exclusively this morning on DK Pittsburgh Sports that Heinen's motive for this was basically as pure as the new fallen snow. According to Shirey's source, Heinen had other offers for more money, which is very plausible, but genuinely, from the heart, preferred to stay with the Penguins, even though he'd only been here for a season. Why? Like the team, like the players, liked playing for Mike Sullivan, like the city. All of this came up, and he just decided, you know what? I could take another couple hundred grand here or there or whatever, but I like it here, and I feel that this is a place that my career has already begun to blossom, and maybe it can continue to do so. If you go back over Heinen's time in the NHL, it's a little bit spotty. He's always shown the ability that we saw this past season to put the puck in the net. I mean, that's his main thing. He's got other attributes. He's not a one-dimensional player, but the main thing with him And we saw it right from the opening trip through Sunrise in Tampa that he's not exactly one who struggles to do the one single most important thing in the game. But he eventually became more solid in that regard. And there was a point, I'm not sure there'd be too many people who'd remember this because it kind of flew under the radar, but I remember it vividly. There was a point when Sullivan challenged Heinen. He wanted to see more from him at both ends of the rink. Not that Heinen was ever derelict in the defensive zone. It was just more that Sullivan felt that there was something else he could get from him in that regard and that it would benefit his offensive game. Well, guess what? Both of those things took place, and Heinen had a midseason slump but ended up scoring a few goals later on in the regular season and kept contributing right through the end. And he's back at a pay cut. I I just, of all the strange things that have occurred so far in this particular offseason for this particular franchise, this one might be number one. This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by the good people at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank, where they're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need across Western Pennsylvania. They, in turn, need your help. Find out how $1 can be turned into five full meals. 
for those in need. Visit pittsburghfoodbank.org. So what's it mean that he's back? Well, if you've been listening to this show this week, A, you're really into hockey because there's not a whole lot going on in July. And B, you'll be aware that I've mentioned several times that the Penguins' top priority up front should be a left winger to skate alongside Evgeny Malkin. Even, and I emphasized this point, even if that meant spending a decent chunk of change. That, of course, is a chunk of change that they can't afford because they're currently $2 million plus over the salary cap. A defenseman still has to go, and in fact, a defenseman has to go now more than ever. But for Heinen to come in and possibly be that guy, or at the least give you a viable option to Jason Zucker, if Zucker should either fail to score, which has happened in the past, or get hurt, which has happened a lot in the past, are you totally loaded as a top six? No. Are you somewhat solidified as a top six? Yeah, I mean, I would say so. I can't say how it'll all break down because I still am in favor of Ricard Raquel ending up on the Sidney Crosby line, or at least for a trial. And then having Brian Rust be the right winger on Gino's line. And from that standpoint, you can put a Zucker or Heinen there and have it become a group that produces at least semi-regularly at five on five. And that, of course, was the Gino line's issue throughout the regular season and into the playoffs. You just didn't get five on five offense from them. Gino got most of his points on the power play point. Now, does this mean that they should be done, that this is it, that the only other move that's remaining is to trade away one of these defensemen and get under the cap? Boy, I hope not. You know, I I really do. Because I still see that forward group. Even if you take uh, Heinen or Zucker and drop them onto a third line and you label it a scoring line, Let's say you have Jeff Carter between, oh, you're going to bite my head off now, but Jeff Carter between Kasperi Kapanen and either Zucker or Heinen. We've actually seen that line before, meaning Heinen, Carter, and Kapanen. Yeah, okay. (laughs) It's not exciting. It's not something where you'd say, oh, absolutely, third scoring line, here it is. But you do need third and fourth lines that make an impact. If you can't pull off a third scoring line, and most teams absolutely can't, then the best thing that you can do is create a couple of grind lines that make things happen for you possession-wise, forechecking-wise, neutralizing the other team's top six, that sort of thing-wise. Heinen's addition, Heinen's return, makes that possible. And for that, unlike last year, Hextall's not getting any of the credit. This goes 100% to the player. When we come back, J1Q.
Ryan is back. Yay, he says Ryan. Which left winger is going to be moved? I'm seeing a few too many. If Drew O'Connor, Radim Zahorna, and Valtteri Pustinen are legitimate options, my preference is for Brock McGinn, as I'd like to take the risk that Jason Zucker stays healthy. You want to move Brock McGinn. I am not in favor. I consider him to be an affordable option. He's $2 million and change, and I understand where the cap is, but I'm not sacrificing at that position unless I think there's something wrong with McGinn or I find some kind of flaw in his late-season fade. He wasn't much of a scorer late in the season, and actually he wasn't particularly great defensively. I'm not sure what that was about. You very rarely find out what someone's playing with, even after the season anymore. They don't like to give it up. I would like to be thinking that something was amiss with McGinn through the last couple of months because he wasn't all there. But yeah, you're right. There's a fair amount of left-wingers in the equation, and one of them, I believe, has to be O'Connor. I'm not nearly as convinced on the Zahorna front. Uh, I do believe that there are some metrics of his that are worth uh, both appreciating and even applauding, especially in the defensive zone. They might be the product of a small NHL sample size, but you know, for the most part, the eye meets what the numbers show, and it's, he's been a pretty solid defensive presence. He's obviously got the big body. He should be capable of winning draws on a consistent basis, and he should be capable of killing penalties. He should, to be more specific than any of that, be capable of doing what Brian Boyle did for the Penguins last season. Know what I mean? Similar stature, all that other stuff, both lefties playing the same position. But I don't know that he's that guy. I don't know that he's got that gear, including the mental gear, to compete the way that Boyle did. O'Connor, though, that's different. O'Connor, I see as a must, mostly because you absolutely have to infuse some youth into the lineup up front. He's got... The speed, the size, the rambunctiousness on the forecheck, he's got that energy that you should be coveting on a team like this that's got the older core. He's the type of player you want to surround them with. Now, that said, he's got to make it happen. You know, the coaches can't wish it. He's got to keep making more strides as he did between two seasons ago and this past season, and he really did, by the way. He's got to make it that much more pronounced going into this one. So realistically, realistically, I think you're going to see these things sort themselves out, and that's not always good, meaning that someone will come into camp and underwhelm you, and then it becomes an easy decision, even if it's an unpopular one because fans will want to see the younger players stick. If the younger player doesn't earn it, then he's not somebody you'd need to keep around. You know, This team is being built a certain way, and it's not some sort of, you know, build up with youth or whatever. 
It's just keep the best 18 skaters and the best two goalies and go with it. I'm not exactly answering your question here. I know I'm just trying to take each guy individually, and I'm not inclined to give up on McGinn again unless the Penguins know something. Always bear in mind they've got access to infinitely more information than any of us do. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. Do another one of these tomorrow. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.